Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Deeper Still, a podcast where we carve out space for meaningful conversation about God and life as we seek to pay attention to the ways he calls us to go deeper still in relationship with him and with one another. My name is Sue Ann Canfield. I have the joy of being the host of this podcast, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. It has been about a month since we posted the last episode of Deeper Still. That was an episode with John Ortberg. If you have not listened to that, I would encourage you, go back, listen to it, or maybe catch up on any of the episodes of Deeper Still you haven't got to catch up on today. Uh, Normally, we're in a little more of a regular rhythm of recording episodes, but this summer, we have intentionally chosen to slow down a little bit. Slow down a little bit, catch our breath, and I have to confess, it's made for a really good month with some rest and renewal and just enjoying the summer. And so wherever you find yourself today, I hope the same can be said for you. But today on Deeper Still, I have the honor of welcoming Tammy Melchine to the podcast. Tammy is a writer and teaching pastor at Community Christian Church, a church based here in the Chicago suburbs with multiple online and in-person expressions of worship, which you will hear about in our conversation today. Tammy has served on the staff of Community Christian for more than 20 years, where she currently serves as the leader of the teaching team. Tammy regularly teaches at both Community's online expression of worship and its various campus locations. And coming up on August 13th, Christchurch, which is my local church where I record this podcast, will welcome Tammy as one of our guest preachers in our Summer Light series. Tammy's great passion in life is to know Jesus more deeply, to follow him more faithfully, and to help others take next steps with him. I'm so excited about this conversation. So friends, whatever you're doing, wherever you find yourself, Settle up, settle in, and listen in as Tammy and I go deeper still. Well, Tammy, welcome to Deeper Still. It is so good to have you on the podcast today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to have this conversation with you. Well, I am glad to have it too. We were just kind of reflecting in prayer together on what a gift it is to just anytime I get to talk to people about just the work that God is doing in their own life, their own story, and people are willing to share that with me. I'm always humbled by that. So really appreciate you taking the time today. Oh, well, I'm happy to be here. (laughs) Well, uh, Tammy, you just... um, had an interesting last month. We were talking about before we came on air, the fact that your summer and intentionally kind of looks a little bit differently from your normal rhythms of your everyday job uh, in order to maybe uh, come into the fall. Fall is such a busy time for us who are on staff at churches. Mm -hmm. And you took some intentional time this July to just switch up your rhythms. And so I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about how that's been, what your summer has been like, and um, why that's a good decision for you. Sure. Well, um, my role at Community, where I where I serve, is to lead our teaching team. And so um, I, we may get into this later, but we, we have a very collaborative process, but I, I run point on it. And it, part of that, what that means for me is mostly during the year, I'm doing a ton of studying, writing, editing, all of that type of thing that goes into our, our message writing. And so I like to give myself a month away from those normal rhythms to uh, just take a break from the normal 
kind of tasks and things that I have to do on a weekly basis and um, honestly give myself some space to study and to hear from God about what, Mm. um, you know, what our church needs in terms of our teaching ministry. And I actually uh, took uh, probably about six or seven of those days to plan the series that we're going to do in 2024. So it's, it's kind of a time to step back. I mean, there's been a lot of brainstorming that happens before I get to that time, but it, it just gives me some space and, and no noise. Like I don't do any of my regular meetings. I pretty much ignore email for a month and everybody knows that. And so uh, it's just, it's just a, a way for me then to dive into uh, Cause basically this week now in August, we're beginning a new year year's worth of series. And so it gives me a, a new energy to go into a new year mm-hmm. and it's, it's just super helpful for me. So yeah. yeah, so that's what I've been doing. And I took some vacation in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering, is that something that this rhythm to step away and kind of have that space to just think, to shut out kind of the tasks of your everyday, is that something you had to learn the hard way or did someone tell you to do that or something you came to yourself? Um, well, I'm a, I, I got the feeling that you guys are familiar with the Enneagram. Is that right? Yes, we are. We love to talk about the Enneagram here. So I'm a five Mm -hmm. and I'm also sort of a natural contemplative. So it's almost like, you know, taking a month like that for me is a gift. Yes. and, And it's also probably part of why I need it. I feel like, you know, like I need that, that, that space to recharge and, and just um, have a chance to breathe in a different way. And so I, I honestly, even I, when I think back to when I first started in ministry, when I was in campus ministry, uh, starting at about 20, 25, 26 years old, I did some form of this every summer where I would step back and just try to do some big picture thinking and um, create space to hear from God outside of the you know, day-to-day things that are always coming at you. Yes. And so I, I think it's kind of a natural bent for me to want to have that type of time and space. Yeah. I'm wired similarly where I'm an Enneagram four. I have, okay. I think as I get older, my three and my four wing, I also, I used to always think I was a straight up three wing. And now I think as I get older, my five wing keeps bubbling up, especially yeah. when it comes to teaching and preaching and anytime. And I think I just need space to think, you know, yeah. um, and not everybody gets that because we're wired different. And, mm-hmm. and so not everybody needs that same space, but I love that you recognize that in yourself enough and are able to step back and say, in order for me to do my job, to do what God has called me to do and to do it effectively, like this is actually how I need to operate. And yeah. I, I'm wondering how many people listening, uh, maybe they're not wired that way. Maybe they are, but I'm wondering in their own lives, if they find some of those rhythms mm-hmm. that do that, or if they just get lost in the whirlwind of the daily work. And I would imagine most of us tend to just get lost in the the whirlwind of our everyday work because it's hard to step back and, and think about that big picture stuff. Yeah, sure. It is. Um, and, and again, I know that not everybody is wired like me, so it might be, you know, for other people, they might need different things in order to create. I, I mean, some of it is, is just about clearing your mind yes. from all of the tasks and the daily pressures that come. And so for some people that might come through different that might come through spending a lot of times outdoors or spending a lot of times um, just with friends or with people or something like that and 
So whatever that is to block out that time, I just have found that it's essential for me. The more I get to know myself, I, I know what I need in order to be who God is calling me to be. And so just living into those rhythms and and protecting that is super important to me. Yeah. And I hope people listening hear that and, and feel encouraged and maybe feel some permission to realize like God has created us all differently and, and to take mm-hmm. that permission to be who they're created to be, who we are created to be. And it, it looks all different. And I think when we understand that, it also helps us not only step into what we need for ourselves, but then also not to judge others because yeah. maybe they, you know, need the yeah, same to thing give them permission. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. To give one another permission in that. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I told you when we started, I never, you know, I usually don't know where these conversations are going to go. And I hadn't (laughs) planned on talking about any of that, but that was actually a great way, (laughs) great way to start us out, especially as people are, you know, experiencing different rhythms in the summer. I think that's great. We love talking about Enneagram and talking about unique giftings here. So I appreciate that encouragement. Um, you, You were just talking about the fact that you started out in campus ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you now are on staff at Community Christian. And uh, I'm just thinking that um, a lot of people listening today, especially in our local congregation, might not have context for who you are and your story. And so sure. I wonder if you just take a minute and kind of tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and maybe some of that journey that led you to where you're at today. Okay. But this is not the like five hour version of my story, right? <laughs> We can come back no. if we have to edit it. This will be like a six-week series where we just tell your story, oh, right? <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, well, yeah, I'm I am someone that has I, I had the privilege of growing up in a in a really um, devoted to Jesus home and household and family. My parents are both committed Christ followers, and so I do not take that for granted. And the fact that you know I was one of those that was in church since I was three weeks year old. And for me, it was a very positive experience. I, I feel like I, my earliest memories of church and of God and of Jesus are, I, as a little girl, I just love Jesus. And, um, you know, looking back on it, of course, you recognize things in your, your, you know, spiritual <laughs> journey and your upbringing in your church that you're like, oh, that wasn't so great. But for the most part, I felt like you know, being a part of a a local church community was a second family for me all through growing up. Um, And so I I just feel grateful that I had that foundation. Uh, However, I did grow up in a very conservative denomination where the thought of a woman being Mm -hmm. on staff and doing ministry was nothing that would have ever crossed my mind uh, based on what I saw modeled for me. And so uh, even though as I went to college, I I had this just passion, this desire um, for God and for um, being a part of a local, you know, community of believers. It never would have crossed my mind that I could actually pursue that vocationally mm-hmm. until I went to college and I got involved in a campus ministry. And the guy that was leading that campus ministry right away, my freshman year, called out leadership gifts in me and began giving me opportunities to to lead and. And, and serve. And, um, and then he was very strategic in that he took me to a student leadership conference along with some other students and uh, made sure that I met the very few women that were doing campus ministry vocationally. And that wow. just like blew my mind, opened a whole world for me. And actually one of those women, um, her name is Laura, invited me as a college student to come down and follow her around for a week. 
and see what she did. And so I actually ended up doing an internship with her for a year. And so by the time I graduated college, I, my heart was set on ministry. And so I ended up going to seminary and then I um, probably mostly, you know, because it was all, all I, I really knew too, I went into campus ministry. So I served for six years at Eastern Illinois University downstate in Illinois and absolutely loved it, loved pouring into the students. But when I look at that time, even at that time, you know, in my journey too of understanding who I am and what God was calling me to do, um, you know, that ministry didn't feel like it would be right for me to talk on a Sunday morning. And I didn't have any problem with that at that time, <laughs> you know, because again, I was still coming from this paradigm of women, you know, do nothing to like learning it along the way. And so um, when I when I came here to, to community, which I've been here 21 years now, um, when I came here to community, I've served in a variety of roles um, in our overseeing our family ministry. And then I and then I um, I moved into the city for six years and was the campus pastor that planted one of our locations in the city. And it was honestly that was in 2010. It was not until that time that I actually started teaching. Hmm. And so I feel like, you know, it's really only been the last 12, 13 years that I discovered what is probably my primary giftedness. <laughs> and, you know, some of that was just back in the day when I was growing up, we didn't have these kind of opportunities. And so un until I stepped into that. And so after after um, leading as a campus pastor, I think the people here recognized that giftedness in me. And so when the position of leading our teaching team came open here. They invited me to step mm. into that. And um, I've been doing that for about eight or nine years now of leading the team. So that's my journey. Well, I love that journey. And what's so interesting is, you know, I've talked to a lot of women and uh, women in ministry who have very similar journeys. Sure. And I would say my journey almost mirrors yours as yeah. a female ministry. In fact, I was just sharing a story. I, my daughter, her, her best friend, my daughter's in college, her best friend who grew up here in our church, uh, just spent the night at our house. She has um, involved in a college ministry at a church she goes to where she lives now in Indiana. And she said, Mrs. Campfield, I've got to ask you a question. She said, um, I've noticed there's no women who lead in this ministry. And she said, I started to investigate that a little bit. And um, she said, I realized like, I'm not used to not seeing women up front. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't understand what is this all about? I know there's a difference and I don't understand it. And so we had this big, long theological discussion. And I said, yeah, this is going to sure. be so much more um, than what I can share in this snippet. But I, I shared with her also a very similar journey in that um, I was, you know, uh, uh, my husband and I, uh, he was kind of the first Christian guy that I started dating that we got married. Uh, he was my my real uh, in to going mm -hmm. to church every week. And we were always involved in complementarian churches uh, where you didn't see women leading. And so uh, I had a similar experience. I came here to Oak Brook. Um, we're, we're a very different church. We, we really... Um, have done such a beautiful job of women leading in every sphere. And the first time I got asked to preach on a Sunday morning, I said no, because I didn't think I could. I didn't think I was yeah. allowed, you yeah. know, and, yeah. and I think when um, 
you can't be what you can't see and it's not modeled yeah. to us and in theology you're working all that, that stuff out and it's complicated and so i don't know that everyone recognizes unless you've journeyed that that it is a complicated thing to navigate as a female especially when when you haven't been raised or been around in those environments where you see women doing uh, all the same things that men are doing mm-hmm. yeah and but also what a a gift um, for the young women growing up in your church yes there to see you and others and because again I wonder if if you had been on staff at my home church when I was growing up what kind of dreams would I have had from a much Mm. younger age and uh, I actually got to experience a little bit of that um, a a couple years ago the student ministry director at one of our locations here in Plainfield he for their during their weekly student ministry gathering he decided that when they normally break up into their small groups he also wanted to offer the opportunity for any of the female students who were interested in going into ministry to spend some time with some of the women on our staff and so he invited three of us to come and be a panel for them to ask questions in that mm-hmm. and it blew me away there were there were like 40 or 50 student women out of maybe maybe a hundred girls that were there, 40 or 50 of them came to hear about what it was like to be a woman in ministry wow. because it was in their mind that they were like, maybe that's something I'd want to do. Wow. And, and it just was so encouraging to me to just think about the, the young girls and young women that are growing up in our churches, um, you know, both Christ church and community that really are going to never know anything different. Yes. Yeah. than seeing women and men serving together in these type of roles. And so I feel like we've come a long way, but I also yeah. recognize there are pockets everywhere where yes. it's still like what my experience was growing up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I definitely think we've gained a lot of ground. And so we'll keep kind of moving in that mm-hmm. direction. But there's still a lot of work to do. And there are absolutely, still women yeah. who serve in a variety of places that don't feel like um, they can do certain things because of the environments they're in. One of the other things I love about your story is that you had other people who came alongside you, who saw the gifts in you, who named them, who intentionally put you in spaces and places where you can grow and learn and see something different. And I I just wonder, I think those experiences change us, right? As a leader. Oh, absolutely. I imagine that when you see gifts in other people, um, you're more apt to call them out or, or put people in places where they can serve and lead and grow. How, is that true? Does that resonate with you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I love, I, I, that was, that was actually my major, um, the major focus of my job in campus ministry was to do that, to call out and to look and develop leaders in that sense. But even now in everything I do, like right now on the, on the teaching team, um, there's one particular younger guy on our staff who I really see teaching Gibson. And um, he, I mean, he is one of our teachers, but I I just see something. I I can tell that it's his primary giftedness among Mm. all the things that he's doing. And so I've actually invited him to come alongside me as sort of my right hand person in leading the team. Mm. And so he's helping me now develop series and this next year, he's going to start leading some brainstorms and stuff like that. And so I, I feel like for all of us, wherever we are in our ministry journey, there's always someone that's maybe a, a step or two behind us. And that's part of, you know, that part, that's part of it, what it means to, you know, have that Paul Timothy 
yes. type relationship and and looking at that that next you know next kind of group down and saying okay who am I supposed to be investing in and so yeah. I'm so grateful for the people that did that for me like you said and uh, I definitely feel a responsibility of that to others. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You have said a couple of times your primary giftedness. You said mm-hmm. you didn't realize your primary giftedness until a little later in your ministry journey was teaching. You're seeing this gift in other people. I'm just, I'm just thinking as people are listening, if that phrase caught someone's attention on what is a primary giftedness or what if what if I don't know my primary giftedness and how might uh, that come to light? I'm just wondering if you have any um expertise <laughs> or, or I know, is that too strong? I don't know about that. But... You're a pastor, you're an expert in all kinds of things. Um, but I'm just thinking about that person that's like, wow, I don't know my primary giftedness. How would I discover that? Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I think in some ways it's, I mean, I can speak to my journey in that is, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different roles I've played a lot of different, um, I mean, even my positions on the staff here have changed over the years, a lot of functions that I've done, a lot of different hats that I've worn. And I think over time, you come to sense where there is an effectiveness that you kind of know is probably beyond you, Mm. you know, just beyond. I I mean, they tend to be things that I think also give you life, um, things that you really enjoy, but also... um, Sometimes I think the feedback of the body of Christ yes. will kind of help you discover where that is as well and the effectiveness of, of what you're doing. And it's not always, I think, I think sometimes we naturally think of that in terms of the upfront roles. So we, you know, we, we know when people are really good at, at speaking or when people, you know, God seems to be doing something um, that is beyond the worship leader, just mm-hmm. leading, you know, leading a song. We, we have that sense of that, but I think also there are certain people that, you know, when a, when someone is hurting, there are certain people that are just so good at being present in those moments in a way, maybe I'm not, mm. you know, when there's, when there's, um, you know, some type of event that needs to be organized, there are certain people that just really know how to pull something like that together. And, and everybody attending that event may never realize what they've done in the background, but um, but there are certain people that will see that and can affirm that. And and so I think sometimes, and, and in you, we have a tendency, especially when they're the behind the scenes gifts a little bit, maybe to downplay our giftedness and just think, oh, everybody can organize something like this, or everybody can care for this person when they're hurting. And it's, and, you know, we all can try <laughs> to some level. But there's a certain there's a certain effectiveness that you can recognize in certain people, and 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 that's what I that's what I tend to think of as a, a primary gift in this, where there's a there's a certain way that almost uh, sometimes you might describe it as an anointing that that God has on you in a certain role, where um, you know whether you realize it or not, there's an effectiveness of the Spirit working through you in whatever you're doing. That I that I think, um, you know, and the body needs that. Yes, the body of Christ yeah. needs that. Yeah, the body of Christ needs it, and the body of Christ needs us to call those things out in each other. Because I think you're so right that so often 
we don't see that in ourselves. But when yes. someone says, I see this in you, and then you have multiple people naming the same gifts in you, yes. Yes. Um, you start to then you start to clue in like, oh, maybe not everybody can do this, or not everybody is good at this. And I think yeah. that's one of the ways that we shape each other as a, as a community is to call each other up like that. Yeah. And, and I feel like the more that we're able to lean into those things, each of us, our uniqueness, the full body will yes. thrive. And, yes. and so I mean, just to give you an example from my own life, um, for five years, I served on the executive leadership team at Community, which is the lead team, you know, the decision making team, the vision directing team and all of that. But um, about a year or year and a half ago, I realized that in a lot of ways, you know, and I can do that. I think I was effective and, you know, I think I was contributing. I think my voice was helpful there. But um, for me personally, two things. One, it wasn't necessarily life-giving to me. It was more draining me. And two, it was taking away from the time that I wanted to be pouring into the teaching ministry, which felt like the unique gifting and the unique kind of role that God has me in for this time for community, you know, in this season. And so I actually made the decision to step off the leadership, the senior leadership decision. And our lead pastor was, was super supportive of that. Um, just because he knew the, re like he trusted me mm. in, in that, but you know, and I'm not going to say it's, it's been a little weird this past year when you're used to being in the room and now I'm not in the room anymore. And yeah, you know, that's a big decision and navigating that. But any, anytime I feel that little tinge, I remind myself, I am like pour. I have the space right now to pour mm -hmm. myself into what God has called me to do. And, and I also think, you know, the feedback that I'm hearing about our series and our teaching, I'm like, okay, this was the right decision. And, yeah. you know, and personally, I feel like I'm flourishing. If I, you know, if I'm honest, probably the only thing that's struggling sometimes is my pride. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> not my rhythms, not my. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm feeling that for you. Absolutely. Because everything in our culture today, whether you're inside the church or out, it's, it's, you know, it's achievement, it's, it's status. Mm -hmm. It is, you know, I was just talking to a, another um, woman that's going to be coming to preach uh, a couple weeks after you. And she said, you know, our churches are filled with Enneagram threes and eights and it's mm -hmm. very, very true. Our church is very much filled with Enneagram three and eights. And so it's all about achievement and power. And, and so we have to um, be mindful of that, but then to make intentional decisions that, that don't fill our ego and step us into yeah. the places again, that God has really gifted and called us that maybe um, might feel a little more behind the scenes, or maybe doesn't have the right you know title or whatever it may be, um, but that doesn't diminish and actually um, increases your effectiveness. And so that's, I, I just, I'm empathizing with you because I would imagine yeah. that would be hard and also celebrating that like, what a courageous and beautiful decision. Yeah, and it's it's honestly not, I, I mean, it, it. I have those moments where it's hard, but then again, I, I feel like, you know, I mean, what, what I have right now is the opportunity to flourish in who God's made me to be. Yeah, And so, you know, I think for each of us to, to look and say, now, I, I also realize I'm at a stage probably in my ministry career where I have some freedom to make those decisions, you know, like 20 years ago, it's like, no, we still need you to, <laughs> we need you to, you know, cut out all those shapes or something like that. <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it's kind of what you're saying there. 
you know, to, to realize, okay, yes, maybe, maybe you're stepping away from what sometimes the, the, the culture or, um, you know, some, sometimes even just expectations you might have on yourself of what it looks like to be successful. Yes. But, um, when you begin to experience, I mean, I also feel like this past year I'm thriving in a way that I wasn't for the five years before that, mm-hmm. just personally. And so that's why anytime that little, you know, pride thing starts to get dinged, I just remind myself yes. of, of um, you know, what God is really doing in me, what he's created for me, where he's put the boundary lines for me. And that, that this is, um, this is really an opportunity for me to, to serve him fully in the way that he's created me to be. So, yeah. So I don't want you to feel sorry for me because <laughs> it's a good thing. <laughs> well, and I have no doubt that I, I'm sure there's someone listening that's probably facing one of those decisions mm-hmm. that is feeling that little bit of ego, maybe a little bit of pride or a little bit of hesitancy, but yet they know the real thing that God is doing inside them and leading to do is, is the thing they should do. And so I'm sure you just set someone free who is listening today to say, okay, this is God's message in my life. This is his word to tell me I need to make this decision and it's okay. Yeah. And so thanks for, love that. Thanks for sharing that. You know, um, one of the things that I, I want to um, just pause and talk about for a moment is you lead a teaching team and mm-hmm. community Christian Um is that model of a preaching teaching team. And here at Christ Church, we have a same model. We have a similar model, I should say, and where we have a teaching team. And I realize it's one of the unique things about our church and maybe a little more unique uh, across churches across the country in terms of we don't just have one person who stands up and preaches week in and week out. And for some people who love our lead pastor and everyone loves our lead pastor, he's an amazing, effective communicator. But I know sometimes it's disappointing to not have him be the person that's up there each and every week or maybe just a little confusing on why I'm hearing from other people. Um, But I think it's such a beautiful and healthy thing. And I think maybe more churches are moving in that direction mm-hmm. or maybe should, I don't know. Um, but I'm wondering if you could just speak to that of what is the value of having a teaching team and um, how does that work in the life of your church? Um, yeah, well, I think from the, from the time our church was founded, I think there was some form of this teaching team, but what's, what's even maybe now I'm not totally familiar with what you do at Christ church. Um, but usually when I tell people how we do things, they think we're crazy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't think a lot awesome. of, I don't think a lot of people have the model that we have. Um, cause not only, so right now we have, um, seven in-person locations and then obviously our online presence and um, at every one of those seven locations, you're hearing from an in-person teacher. And so it's seven different teachers, but we're all, t- what, what's so different about us is we're all basically teaching the same message because mm-hmm. we write the messages in community. We write them together. And so I lead the process of, of that development of the message. So for example, tomorrow we're going to be planning a four-week series called Hearing God that we're going to do this fall. So there's four um, four messages in the series. So I have scheduled eight of us to write in that series. And, and what will happen tomorrow is um, I will be in every brainstorm, but there are other writers that will come in and out. 
and we have one hour to brainstorm each message and come up with an outline. And then those two writers will actually, if there's two writers assigned to each message, they're going to go out and they're going to write the first draft of it. And then in a couple of weeks, we'll all come together and we will read all four messages out loud to each other. And everybody in that group is going to give input and suggestions. And so we'll go through an editing process where at the end of it, there will be four manuscripts that have had about, um, you know, had around six to eight people that have had input into them that each one of those in-person teachers will grab that manuscript and then they'll make it their own with their own stories and the own way, their own way they say it, but it's basically the same message at all locations. So, so we really function in some way and, and, and in our model in some ways, um, one way we sometimes describe it, um, we use a sport, I'm like a big sports person. So I know that probably doesn't fit the norm. It's normally the guy teaching pastors that give all the sports. Love it. No, no norm. <laughs> But, um, you know, sometimes we talk about like even a lot of teaching team models are more like a um, more like a baseball team where you have the pitcher that, you know, you send that one person out every every um, every week, you know, to pitch the game. And, um, you know, if it's a big game, you send out your ace. So Christmas and Easter and, you know, who's usually the lead pastor, you send out your ace. Whereas in a lot of ways, we function more like a, a basketball team where there's, you know, there's certain people that are really good at some of the expository, you know, type stuff. There's some people that are really good at narratives and, and some of the supportive, you know, tissue. There's some people that might be really good in helping us add humor mm -hmm. into certain points. And so we kind of all play together like a basketball team. Um, and, and so then whoever stands up is just a part of that team and delivering it. So I've not heard a model that's exactly like that. I told so you. I'm, I know you're right. I am so intrigued. <laughs> but going back to talking about how we're all wired differently, we all have mm -hmm. unique giftings. I mean, what a beautiful opportunity to bring out the giftings of each person on your team. And I would imagine that it makes the word just that much more alive when you're teaching. Is, is that true? Like, what are some of the benefits you see of it? Well, some of the benefits, I mean, what you're saying, but two, it's the fact that, um, you know, you do like, for example, if we're going to do a, um, a series on marriage or family relationships, we're not just hearing from a male pers like a lot of churches would only hear a male perspective on that whole thing. Like anytime we do a series that is involved that way, I make sure we have a male and a female writer on every message. So that you're getting a little different, you know, perspective on that. Um, it's also allowed me to um, sometimes bring in somebody that's maybe not a regular part of our teaching team, but might be a little bit more of a subject expert. So I, to give you an example, if we are doing a, a message that has a very justice focus, I might bring in the person on our staff that has, that leads our justice and compassion ministry. And again, because you're, because you're co-writing and there's this whole process, like there's a lot of safeguards that even if that person is not like, you know, the highest quality writer or that we, we, we can help, you know, cause it's a team. So it's enabled me to bring in guests like that. Um, but it's also enabled me cause, cause I do think, I do think, um, I think people with the strongest teaching gifts are usually good at both putting a message together and delivering it. But I've also found that there are people who are really good writers, 
who are never going to stand on the stage, Hmm. who don't want to stand on the stage, but they have a teaching gift in writing. And there are also people that are really, they have a teaching gift of upfront of delivering it, but maybe their giftedness is not so much in like putting together the structure of it. And so, um, so it's enabled me to use, like use people that have just writing gifts on the writing team, but we actually have far more people that actually teach the messages than are involved on the writing team. So it's kind of like giving an opportunity for everybody to be in their sweet spot. I am so intrigued and fascinated right now. I'm learning so much. Like this is like blowing my mind in a good way. Um, because it but makes. But you can also I mean, admit it, that we're a little crazy, right? But it, it makes so much sense, and I've never heard that model kind of laid out before. Yeah. And I just think, um, you know, anybody who has been so excited because they read a book and were so excited to go see someone speak, and then you hear someone speak, and you're like, oh, wah wah wah, you know, you realize like, oh. Writing and speaking are two different gifts and, and kind yeah. of the expertise piece that you're mentioning. Um, so, so good. And the fact that you get to lead that team, um, I'm sure that's super challenging and also super um, exciting and, and um, you know, just encouraging at the same time. Yeah, the key to it is everybody, I mean, because we've had people that have, you know, were here on staff at one time and are no longer here. And part of that was because they, you know, they had, a, they struggled with our model. Yeah. Um, but the people that like to you, to buy into our model, you really have to buy into we're better together than I am on my own. Yeah. And and honestly, that's not necessarily always the way that like people are taught in seminary. Right. Right. Message writing. And so for some people, that's too big of a hurdle. You know, like sometimes, you know, you might and, and when people hear about our model, sometimes they'll say, but how could you teach a message that you weren't the original writer of? And, you know, part of my response to that is, well, how can you sing a worship song that you didn't <laughs> compose? You know, it's you still have to do the work of bringing your heart and your passion and your own kind of angle on into the message. Right. But it's a message of the community, not a message of any one person. Yeah. And, and so yeah. You, you, you have to buy into that, that, OK, we are better together than I would be on my own in order to thrive in our system. Good. That's really, that's really good. And I'm sure people who are ministry leaders who are listening to this are, are also, you're spinning all their wheels. So I love that's such good food for, for thought. You know, Tammy, one of the other things I've appreciated about you is, um, you know, you just say you love scripture, you're passionate about both studying and teaching the word, which has already come through in this interview. But you said in a note as we were preparing that you've been studying the book of Revelation. (laughs) Um, And you said for the past couple of years, because it has a lot to say about discipleship in our current context. And I read that and thought, wow, I have got to hear more about this. So will you unpack that a little bit for us? Sure, sure. Um, um, well, I, and I don't know what you're like, but like for me, and I'm saying this more as a confession, <laughs> even for all the years that I've been in ministry, I really stayed away from the book of Revelation. And a lot, I think that's true of a lot of people, like, you know, both in the pews I, and, and on staffs. <laughs> I will raise my hand and confess yes. the same. I led women's ministry for six years and every year they would say, can we please do revelation? And I found ways to just keep skipping by it. <laughs> Saying no. Yes. <laughs> and I always joke here because there were two times that um, in the history of community that it was scheduled to be a series and both times the person leading the teaching team quit right before. <laughs> 
awesome. And so whenever they've asked me if I would lead, do a series on Revelation, I've always said, so you're wanting to get rid of me? <laughs> so, <laughs> but I, I feel like a couple years ago, I just decided that, you know, I mean, obviously, I love the Word of God. This book is in the Word of God for a reason. And so I actually, I took a sabbatical a couple of years ago, and I know this is not what most people would do on their sabbatical, but my sabbatical was to just do a deep dive into the book of Revelation <laughs> and finally figure out, you know, again, crazy to a lot of people, any of wow. lives, you understand me. <laughs> um, but, you know, I realized in that, in that time that I dug in and I reached out, um, thank goodness for people like Scott McKnight. I reached out to Scott McKnight and he suggested several resources for me to, to dig into. And um, uh, if you don't know Scott, he's a professor at Northern Seminary. Yeah. Um, but it, like I realized I grew up and kind of, you know, even through my teen years, I don't remember exactly the years in the, I remember being a little kid when that Thief in a Night movie came out. And I remember, I remember reading all the Left Behind books. And then it seems like everything that you know that people are reading about Revelation is in that, like, predicting the future, speculative, you know, speculation vein. And I think that's why for so many years, I was just like, okay, I don't think you can really know any of that stuff. You know, and the people that get really intense about it kind of drive me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And so yeah. I stayed away. Yeah. You know, and yeah, maybe definitely. You... Yeah. The recurring nightmare of my childhood was from the Left Behind movie I watched when I was 10 years old. And I, yeah. I, I mean, it, one of the scariest things that ever, I say that yeah. kind of tongue in cheek, but I was terrified for years that Jesus was going to come back and take everybody but me. Yeah, And so that was very formative for me as a kid well, and, and, and how I related to God. And a lot of times, you know, back in the day, churches used revelation in that way. You better straighten up because, right. you know, until you actually read the book of Revelation and find out that the rapture is not even in there, which is a whole nother topic we can right, talk about. Right. <laughs> but anyway, um, so, you know, as I, what I, what was so like mind blowing to me when I got away from all the popular, you know, books that, that the left behind series, all those kind of things, those things that, that are popular off the shelf books and started looking at what scholars like Michael Gorman and Scott McKnight and Craig Keener and even Eugene Peterson and N.T. Wright, I realized that this book is nothing at all about what I had thought it was about. And, um, so, I mean, I know we, you know, this be a whole podcast in itself. Um, so I'll try to make this short, but, um, the way I look at the book now is, you know, this is, this is John writing to Christ followers in seven churches that are living in the midst of a, an evil empire, <laughs> an empire that is all about power and control and, and, um, some of those Christ followers are suffering and he's writing to tell them, Hey, you don't have to be afraid. Let me tell you, you know, where the story is going. Let me remind you through all these visions God has given me where the story is going. God is on his throne. Jesus, the lamb rules, and you don't have to be afraid. Um, so he's reminding those that are suffering that, and he's reminding those Christ followers that are assimilating with the ways of empire 
and and um, chasing after the power and the prestige and the way that Empire tells us to, he's he's also writing to tell them, hey, you need to repent <laughs> and you need to come out of Empire and follow in the ways of the Lamb. And the way of the Lamb is the way of sacrifice, is the way of surrender, is the way of mercy and love. And so I think when you begin to read the book through you know, the way that John's first listeners, it had an intended audience and that audience understood what he was saying. You know, they didn't need to know things happening in the 21st century to understand <laughs> what the book is. And uh, when you come to understand that, you really see that it's a call to, it's a call to follow Jesus. It's a call to discipleship, to not assimilate with, an, with the empire and, and to faithfully follow Jesus with the confidence that he is on, God is on the throne mm -hmm. and we know how the story ends and we don't have to be afraid. So that's, that's how what, I would summarize it. Well, I can't imagine that you would think that would have anything to do with our current circumstances in the world. I'll let the listeners draw their own conclusions <laughs> from that. Wow. Well, now everyone's going back and reading the book of Revelation right yeah, now. Yeah. Well, and I'd yeah. encourage oh, you, um, Scott McKnight, actually, I mean, one of the things that I think is a problem is there's not a lot of popular level, level books, you know, like, again, in my Enneagram fiveness, I'll like read a commentary cover to cover, but I, I realize that's not realistic for most people. Um, but Scott McKnight just a couple months ago had a book come out called Revelation for the Rest of Us. Mm. And I feel like it's the first, you know, it's probably not the first one, but it's, you know, it's finally someone writing for, you know, every everybody <laughs> in a way that everybody can understand. And so I'd encourage people to to take a look at that if any of this intrigues you. Great. I love that. Um, Tammy, you're also working on your own book right now. Is that correct? You're working on a book. I am. The Sermon on the Mount. Um, I am. Tell us, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. Well, again, that's one of the reasons why I made the decision to <laughs> zero in on um, what I felt like, you know, kind of my giftedness and passions in that is because I, I do feel a calling to write and it's something that I, I feel like I didn't really have the time for before. And so again, the leadership here at community has been gracious and encouraging me in that. So yeah, so I am, I'm working a book on a book on the Sermon on the Mount and um, uh, I'll say this and then I'll explain it. <laughs> right now, it's a mashup of Seinfeld and the Sermon on the Mount <laughs> and what they can teach us about the counterintuitive way of Jesus. And I know that sounds weird, but hopefully maybe a little intriguing. <laughs> <Sounds> perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of the, the premise for me is I think, you know, so many of us as Christ followers, we look at our world and we look at our country and we look at our culture and we're um, frustrated, we're sad, we're angry, we're like, we just look at the polarization and all the, you know, just, I think everybody feels that. Everybody just feels that things are a mess. And I'm kind of challenging us to, to consider whether we're actually part of the problem mm. and, and not just all the people we blame it on. And so mm. what, I, what I used as the, a framing for the book, right now the working title is called The Opposite, is um, there's a story in Seinfeld where George Costanza decides to do the opposite of all of his natural instincts. I don't know if you remember that episode. I remember every episode. Of course I do. <laughs> 
And so he decides to do the opposite. And if you remember, then all of a sudden, like, you know, all these things start going great for him. And so um, my premise is, is that in, in a lot of ways in the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus is calling us to is an opposite way of life, of the opposite of, of our natural inclinations. And, um, and it's kind of, it's been one of the guys that's been coaching me, helping me a little bit in this. Um, he actually was the one that encouraged me to think about the Seinfeld angle after I had that opening story with George Costanza, because he said, you know, you can speak the truth in humor a lot better than, you know, just trying to, to outright say certain things. And as I'm writing it, I'm finding that's true. So I'm hoping that we can laugh a little bit together as we also look at maybe some of the decisions and the actions and the way that we have been living in the world and realize that there's an opposite way that Jesus calls us to that could lead us to a hopeful way forward. And so that's what I'm working on. Well, that's a message we need to hear today more than ever. And so we'll have to, I'll have to have you back on when that's finished and it's okay. out into the world and we can dig more into that because that's a message we could spend a whole bunch of time talking about. That would be fun. I'd love it. Um, well, Tammy, just a couple more questions as our time is kind of dwindling away. I would love to know, especially for our people who are listening here uh, in our local church um, congregation community, any sneak peek on what you're preaching on uh, here in the next couple of weeks? Sure, sure. I mean, I, the the title of the message is um, for all those in need of resurrection. And um, I, I actually, uh, again, because I'm you know, I was told I could do whatever I wanted. <laughs> so, <laughs> Great. <laughs> so we're actually in an I am a series on the I am statements here at Community, and um, I actually, I actually am not actually teaching at Community in this series other than online. And so I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to take my favorite one that I wrote and am working on, and and um, and get to share that with the the group at at um, Christ Christ Church. And so yeah, so it's going to be. It's going to be based on the story where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. But I, I hope um, for people that maybe feel like there is, you know, I think we all at times have these certain things in our lives that feel a little dead or that feel in need of resurrection, whether that's a, a relationship, whether that's a, you know, a, a dream, uh, whatever that might be. And I think, um, I think the message on Sunday is just going to speak some hope into those places of of who Jesus wants to be in our lives and how he can bring even the deadest of things to life. Mm. So that's where we're going. Well, we're so excited to have you. So excited, you know, people here listening, get a little sneak peek about a little more about who you are and what the gifts you bring to the table. But we're so excited to have you live and in person. I'm excited to meet you face to face for yeah. the first time. So we yeah, can't I've wait to been, welcome you. I've never been there. So I'm excited. Oh, to, wonderful. Yeah, this will be my first experience there. Wonderful. Well, you'll have to let us know how it how it goes. I'll tell everyone to be on their best behavior as we welcome you. <laughs> oh, please don't. <laughs> Oh, no, it'll be great. It'll be great to be with all of you. It will. We can't wait. Well, uh, Tammy, last question. I ask everybody who comes on the podcast, I call it my deeper still question. You know, the whole premise here uh, in deeper still is that, you know, we never believe that God is done with us. And sometimes we get to those moments where we think we've kind of figured something out or kind of feel like, oh, maybe I've arrived here. And I feel like just when we get to those moments, that's when God calls us to go deeper. Mm -hmm. And then just when we start to feel comfortable, he calls us to go deeper still. And so how is God calling you to go deeper still in the midst of your everyday life right now? 
Um, well, in some ways it relates to what I was just telling you about the book that I'm writing. You know, oftentimes when we teach or we write, we're our first audience. And so, um, you know, I mean, let's face it, these last, I don't know, five, six years have been really hard um, for all of us. And I think, you know, I'm recognizing myself how easy it is sometimes to go down that path where you look at people who think differently than you, who vote differently than you, who, um, you know, interpret scripture differently than you and really fall into this us versus them mentality. And um, I just think that Jesus calls us to something different than that. And so mm. um, I know that I have a ways to go in, in, in uh, him transforming my heart to be a heart of love for whoever my neighbor is. And, and so I just feel like I'm continually challenged in that um, to be letting him shine a light on those places in my life where, where there is still some unlove mm. or, um, or maybe it's the, and, and maybe even it's just in, in how like my reactions to some of those things. And I, I want my impulse to be grace. I want my impulse to be love. And so um, I, I think it's probably a life work. I don't think it's something that if you had me on 10 years from now, I might have the same answer. <laughs> but but I think that's something that I'm, um, you know, I, I'm feeling the continual conviction of the spirit in that. And so trying to journey with God in that. Well, Tammy, you have been just a wealth of joy and encouragement and wisdom today. And so thank you so much again for spending your little bit of your afternoon with us. And uh, we, like I said, we're looking so forward. Uh, we are looking so forward to having you here in a few weeks. And so we'll, we'll see you soon. But until then, uh, go in God's grace and may God continue to bless you in all that you're doing. Well, thanks, Sue Ann. It's been great to be with you. Friends, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope you were encouraged by the conversation. I hope you were challenged by this conversation. And I hope that someone out there listening, I know this has to be true. I hope for some of you, this is exactly what you needed to hear today. If you want to know a little bit more about Tammy or check out some of her writing or some of her messages that she has preached at Community Christian, be sure to visit her at TammyMelchine.com. If you want to hear Tammy's messages firsthand, say hello in person. Of course, we'd love for you to join us on Sunday, August 13th at one of our worship services. If you're listening to this after the fact, you can go to Christchurch.us and find her message there. If you have not yet taken a moment to follow or subscribe to Deeper Still on your favorite podcast platform, maybe you haven't written a review or shared an episode with a friend, hey, there's no better time than the present. I would be so grateful if you could do that for me today. But as always, my friends, thanks so much for joining us. I'm so appreciative that you're here today. And don't forget, don't forget in the midst of wherever you find yourself today to pay attention to how God might be calling you to go deeper still. Go in God's grace.